How many of you uh, have felt that uh, Jesus delivered you from bondage uh, this week or this month or, or in this year? Oh, yes. Well, yes, give a hand. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, Jesus is Christ. He has come to deliver us from the bondage of sin and death. And he has given us liberty and freedom to experience the new life that is in Christ. How did he do this? He did this by dying for us on the cross uh, and resurrecting on the third day. So without the resurrection of Jesus, everything that we do will be in vain, actually, right? And we want to talk about this today. So you ready this morning? Yeah? You ready for the Word of God? Yeah, okay. Anybody need the short nap so you don't nap during the sermon? (laughs) Okay. So the Gospel Plan series. I'm very excited. So, um, on Monday, so we're we're doing the Bible reading challenge. Okay, church? So if you're new today, what is Bible reading challenge? You can go to our website. There is the Bible reading challenge. We are reading the New Testament in a year. So whoever has signed up, you can sign up online. Just put your email or you want to receive an email or text, you will get it every morning or every day or every week, however you, you choose. Okay. So this has been a blessing. So this is what we read on Monday. I'm just going to walk through with you the whole week of what we have read. Okay. Uh, and uh, concentrate on the theme and focus on the theme that Jesus is Christ. So on Monday we read this, why do your disciples break the tradition of elders? This was the question that the Pharisees was asking to Jesus because what? The disciples were not washing their hands before they ate. Okay. Now, it's not written in the law, the Torah, or the law of the Moses, that wish uh, how to wash the hands. Okay. But this is an addition by the Pharisees on the law that God has given. Uh, if the commandment of God was not enough, we have to add more laws to it. <laughs> you know. uh, by the way, not just the 613 laws, there are 39 laws even of the Sabbath. Did you know that? For example, you cannot sow, uh, no sowing on Sabbath day. Right? No weaving. Right? You can't water your plant. No cutting of hair. You can't cut your nails or hair on Sunday. Right? Uh, you can't make a fire on Sunday. You can't blow out a fire on Sunday. You can't move property on Sunday. Um, it means once you put on a sunglass, that's it. You can't touch it until the end of the day. Right? All those laws were there. So more laws were added. More laws were added. Uh, and the question here is about breaking tradition. And we're staying at the theme of food. Because food is basic and very important to us. right? So Christ is saying... Um, what is making you clean? I mean, does washing your hand make you clean? I mean, it's ritually it's clean. The priests wash their hands uh, before they go into the altar. This was extended to everybody. 
in the beginning, it was just supposed to be for the priest. Now it's for everybody. Everybody has to wash their hand. How many of you washed your hand this morning before you came here? Right? How many have washed your hand before you ate? See? Nowadays we eat forks and spoons, and sometimes you don't wash your hand. Right? I mean, you just come and pick the food that your wife or your husband's making and say, go wash your hand. Right? <laughs> Careful there. Uh, uh, but does washing your hand makes you clean? Christ is talking about that. God is looking for worship, not worship from the lips. But where? Not a lip service, but worship from the heart. Performance of religious activities and practices doesn't make you pure and holy. See? All the activities that we do in the church here does not make us pure and holy because if our heart is not right with God, God is not accepting that praise and worship. Isaiah prophet, it's a quotation from the prophet Isaiah that God is not looking for you. You worship me with your lips. You are giving me a lip service. And Christ is picking up this in terms of uh, uh, purity. The second one that he talked now, because we stay on the food, is uh, uh, the defilement. See, this is on the food theme again. Uh, So they're saying, okay, okay, It is not what you eat that defiles you. It is what comes out of your mouth that defiles other people. See, he's staying on this theme. He's staying on the food theme because food is basic. Now, um, how does this translate to us today? You know, uh, we are very multinational, multicultural church. Uh, My wife and I, we like uh, a ghost pepper, the hottest chili in the world, mixed with garlic and onion, and then put some fermented fish and mix with tomato and cilantro, cilantro, and put all vegetables, and we eat that, right? I say, Pastor, do you really eat that? You know, I'm not coming to your house then, right? <laughs> well, okay, then, uh, um, but my table is open to you. I want to have fellowship with you. You know? So we, then we associate with, no, I'd rather go to a place where we eat fries and burger. <laughs> or pizza. Right? But what about kimchi? You know? What about curry? What about pho? Right? What about stinky cheese? So when we concentrate on food and then we associate with people based on food, then we missed out so many people already that we can fellowship with one another. In doing so, inadvertently, we have either disassociated with people or marginalized people in our relationship. When God is asking us to think beyond what we can ingest Right? Because what we speak out is the one that hurts people. So this morning on the way to the church, you might have said something to your friend, to your husband, to your wife. And sarcasm is not funny. Right? Sarcasm is, it cuts the people. And this thing comes out from our mouth. And it just cuts people and belittles people. And we think we're funny and witty because we're sarcastic. 
And we want to have a culture of kindness. And Christ is talking about true defilement comes from um, what comes out of our mouth. It's a lip service, if not. And staying on this theme, uh, then, again, there was the reading on Monday. There was your reading on Monday on Matthew 15. Now, when you go to the next one, uh, and she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dog eat crumbs which fall from their master's table. We are continuing to stay with the food theme. Okay? That's the bread of life. So this Canaanite woman comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Master, please heal my daughter. Please heal my daughter. And uh, I don't know how Christ got away with this, but he called her a dog. You're a dog. You know, I have not heard any preacher call a lady a dog. I think if I call you a dog, that will be it, I think. Right? Oh, by the way, uh, American Idol, Randy Jackson used to call everyone, come on, dog! You know? <laughs> uh, I remember that. He called everyone a dog, and uh, it's dope. You know, and they like it. But other than that, I haven't heard people go a, a dog. But you say, well, you're a dog. Why, why would I take care of you? And you know what is surprising is this woman, uh, she consented. Yes, I am a dog. She was not offended. Uh, but she said, but I'm your dog. See, you see, the master's table. But even the children eats off the crumb that falls off the master's table, right? What she is saying is, that dog belonged to the master. And I am your dog. I may not be a Jew. I am a Canaanite woman, but I am your dog. And I want you to take care of your dog. And when she said that, the master had to turn, look, oh woman, what great faith you have. Right? See? You can't put in a minimal effort in your relationship with God and expect a monumental transformation. That's not going to happen. This woman put in everything. She put all her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ despite knowing that she was little, that she was not part of the majority, she was not part of the chosen race. She came to the Lord with all her faith and God rewarded her faith. Because you're looking for transformation in your life. Many of us are thinking, why am I not having a breakthrough with all this difficult challenge? And you, you look at how much of effort you're building or putting in your relationship with Christ. Are you putting all your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For your job, for your marriage, job hunting, grades, colleges, health. What can we learn from this Canaanite woman? woman, You know. Um, Humility is honorable to God. And uh, faith is pleasing to God. You know why? Because Jesus is the remedy for all our sickness. See, Jesus is the remedy for our impurity. This is what 
Matthew is trying to say he is Christ and he is the remedy for our defiled, sinful nature. And Jesus is the remedy for the sickness. And he's using this from the most basic things that are in front of us with the example of food. Are you, are you with me? Right? Are you with me? Let's continue to uh, stay with this theme of food. Okay? So then he continued to heal many other people. Right? For example, uh, uh, and then he added another one, feeding of the 4,000. See, why are all this story there? Okay? So he healed many people knowing that I'm the Lord that can heal all of you. I can, uncom- I can be inclusive. Even those who are marginal outcasts, the little ones, those who are defiled, you come to me, I will cleanse you. And then the, their story of this uh, feeding the 4,000. So they were out in the wilderness, in the desert. For three days, these multitudes of people have been following him. And he said, I have compassion on them. And I want to feed them. And the disciples said, where, where are we going to get bread in the wilderness? Where are we? There's no shop or anything. What are we going to do? And Jesus said, oh, how many loaves uh, are there? And they said, seven. This is the 4,000, not the 5,001, okay? There are seven loaves and some fish. And he said, uh, oh, will you bring it to me? Still, we are at the, at the food. Okay? We are the bread of life. And then he took it, and he looked up to heaven, and he gave thanks to the Lord. And they fed the multitude, and how many baskets were left? Seven baskets were left, right? Seven baskets were left. You see, faith does not need help. You do not help. You do not try to help faith. When you try to help faith, you do not have faith. Or you, you got to work on faith just needs faith. Faith doesn't need help. But all of us, we try to help our faith. Let me do this. No. Oh, your groaning is not going to help your faith. Your doubting is not going to help your faith. Right? Your anxiety is not going to help your faith. What will help faith? Faith. Just have faith and give it to the Lord. So, today, we are coming with faith. Many of you have discussed at home about this community park for more than a month. There has been going back and forth, and my wife and I, we did the same thing. You know? And we brought the little that we can to the Lord. We brought our little loaves and our little fish with faith. And we brought less than, less than you. We just brought our little. But we have faith and we want to place this in God's hand so that he can bless the little that we have brought to feed and bless the multitude. My faith is that God will cover and bless Whatever we have brought. See? Do not despise the little. This is the lesson going back to the Canaanite woman. Do not despise the marginalized. She is outsider. 
Do not despise her. Do not despise the disciples because they did not wash their hands. Do not despise people because they ate different food. Do not despise your small beginning. Do not despise where you are today. Are, are you hearing God's word? Do not despise any of the little ones. We will continue to hear this. But give your little to God in His hand and see what He can do. Do not wait for, I will serve the Lord when I have many. When I can bring thousands of fish to feed thousands of people, then I will serve the Lord. No, bring your seven loaves and two fish. Bring your dollar. Bring your, bring your coins. Bring your dime. And give it to the Lord and see what He will do. This is what we are doing, church. $400,000 is a lot of money. I'm not asking you to give $400,000 out of your pocket. But I'm asking you to give your faith to God. We're not asking for your money. More than your money. But we did ask for your money. (laughs) But you know what I'm getting? I'm asking more of your faith. And are you giving that faith to God? Are you, or are you trying to help your faith? Give it to Jesus. Give the little to Jesus. And He has the answer. He is the remedy to our poverty. Jesus is the remedy to our poverty. Are, are we doing okay? Yes? So, right. Okay, moving on. So, uh, the reading again. Um, uh, uh, That was on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, right? You read this on Wednesday. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing and asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. We're still with the bread theme here, even though uh, asking for a sign. Now... Why are we still at the bread theme here? You would recollect this. There is a reason why these stories are all connected. This would immediately put the antenna of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, what did Satan came and tempted him with? Turn the stone into bread. Because he was hungry. Now, this is not just about asking signs. The Pharisees were asking the Lord Jesus Christ, You Give me a sign. You give us a sign that you are the Christ. Right? This is the temptation. Just like the temptation of Satan. To Jesus to say, turn the stone into bread. Our Lord Jesus Christ was not prideful. He did not need to show off to the Pharisees and Sadducees that he is Christ. And he did not fall into their temptation. He said, no, I'm not going to give you any sign. See, sometimes... This is what we do. We want to show off the talents and gifts that God has given us so much that we displease the Lord. That we want to project ourselves so much and prove to people that, yeah, I heard from the Lord. My prayers were answered. I am favored God. I'm favored among many, right? And sometimes God is at the back. See, God, Jesus is the remedy for our pride. We have to work on our pride. We have to work on our pride and the demand for a sign. Now you go back. The second one was 
uh, the yeast of the Pharisees. What is the yeast of the Pharisees? He's saying you have replaced the regenerative, transformative work of the Holy Spirit with ritualism and rationalism. And that is the yeast now. You have no faith anymore. You want to change and transform people with your rituals and with your rationals. No, the Holy Spirit is way more than the ritualism and the rationalism. This ritualism and rationalism is a bad yeast. But the good yeast that leavens the bread of the kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. That's what he's trying to say in that reading that you have met, right? And then now come Peter's confession. Who do people say that I am? What was that question about? This is very interesting. This question was preparing to the disciples that he's going to tell them that he's going to die and resurrect. Well, the, the disciples did not get that. Some people say, you're Elijah. You know. And Peter said, you're Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, do not tell this to anyone until I resurrect from the dead. But this question was asked to the disciples to tell them that he was going to die for them and resurrect on the third day. It's a preparation of the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ that was coming. That he is the bread of life that needs to be broken for the Canaanite woman, for the Jew, for everybody, for the dog. See? That includes you and I. To lose eternal life would be a great loss. That would be the greatest loss. And to gain eternal life, we need to lose the world and follow Jesus Christ. He died on the cross and he was resurrected. So why? So that the gates of hell will not prevail. Right? So that the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And the third day he will raise up and they were exceedingly sorrowful. I think this was your reading on Thursday. And then what? There's a story of the transfiguration. See, transfiguration is a revelation of the transformative power of Christ. That he will resurrect. He was showing them the nature of his power that can transform people's life up on that mountain, on certain mountain. And then he made the second prediction about his death. And then there's the story of this temple text, right? How does this story relate to the bread of life that he is the Christ? For example, take the temple text. Every man that is counted should pay this half shekel. If you're counted, numbered, you have to pay this half shekel, right? Does Jesus need to pay the half shekel? No, he didn't need to. In fact, well... I mean, he's the Lord God. But then he showed to the disciples that I will also pay this, uh, uh, the redemption tax. Redeeming one of them, right? So what did he do? He let the coin from the sky fall on the sea, right? And the coin fell in the mouth of the fish. Peter went to the sea and hooked the fish. 
and brought it out and the coin was in the mouth. And he paid it from the mouth of a fish to the temple. God paid it from his treasury bank, from his royal bank. He did not borrow it from somebody. He is already showing us that I'm going to pay the ransom for you. That is why the temple tax is there, that I'm going to redeem you. I will pay for you. I will suffer and die for you. My body will be broken and will be fed to everyone. And at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? See, the question of greatness. Ascending, ascending to heaven is tied to what? Descending in your spiritual life. You can enter, you can ascend to heaven when you descend in your attitude. When you have a lowly mind, lowly heart, humble heart, then you can descend, you can ascend into heaven. And he brought in the center of the disciples. What did he bring? A model. What is the model? A, a child. He, and say, so you become like this little ones. See, the story here is do not despise the little ones. Do not despise the Canaanite woman, right? And the parable of the unforgiving slave. And he added this, I'm going to forgive everyone regardless of what you have done. But this guy who, had, who owed a lot of money came and begged the master and said, Lord, forgive me, I can't pay. And the master was forgiving and said, yes, I forgive you from all your debt. Well, he went back and one fellow... Friend owed him hundred only, and said, "I will not forgive you." See, and God said, "If you, I forgive you for much, and you won't forgive your friends for little, if you do not forgive others, I will not forgive you either." And the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And in this question, he brought in the question of divorce. You know, not many are called to be single. Not many of you are called to be single. And not many are called to marry too. Some are called to stay single. And those of you that are single, stay single with the Lord. Let the Lord fill you the joy that you need for this season. Do not try to get it from the world. And as the Lord prepares you for your season, for your future, walk with Him. What the Lord is saying here, as he talks about divorce and relationship with others, he's saying, see, marriage is honorable before the eyes of God, right? And then this divorce is dishonorable to him. And then he talks about the little children. Then he talks about the rich young men. And in all these things, when a brother sin against someone, he said, in the congregation of the church, when Christ is present, strife and disunity should not take over the harmony of the body of Christ. Okay? So in, in God's divine order, many who are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. The meek shall inherit the earth. Those who are humble in hearts, lowly in minds, and poor in spirit will be lifted up and rewarded. That's the reading that you read from Monday to Sunday this morning. Okay. 
No, now let's tie this up to Jesus is Christ and the bread of life. That how we should not despise little. How we should use the little that we have to glorify God. And is Matt here? Already? Or not yet? Okay. So, when my wife and we first start our pastoral uh, ministry, uh, we were called to a church. And uh, they used to have like close to 1,000 people, two services. And when we were there, do you know how many people were there? Average attendance? Maybe 45, 50 people. Um, And it was summer. So when we worship, it was hot. This is in Midwest. It was it's humid and hot. It doesn't have like it doesn't have like uh, doesn't have the air like we have here, right? So we prayed and uh, we said in July, around July, August, oh, we're going to have air condition for this building. Okay. Forty-five people, they have deficit in budget, you know. Uh, and this, and then they have to fix the roof. So we're going to have air condition, and we're going to put a new roof. So we did this capital campaign, and I declared from the pulpit, by next summer, we're going to have air condition in this church. So we will do capital campaign. They did not put the air condition or fix the roof when the church have 800 people, 600 people. But God was showing this church what he can do when the church was almost dying. Uh, we were not able to put the air condition the next summer, but, but we, we were able to complete it in the fall. Instead of June, July, August, we completed in October. Right? With these 40, 45 people, we were able to put new air conditioning system in the church and then fix part of the room. See? How, and, and nobody took the glory. Because nobody could take the glory. See, the church was also running a preschool de- and having a deficit every year about 3,000, 4,000. And say, my wife said, well, we'll start this thing. And uh, she started a preschool daycare. And she started with two kids. And she went there 6 a.m. every day and come back around 6 p.m. every day with two kids when she started. It was a grueling, physically grueling for both of us as we were trying to resurrect this church. Uh, the long story short, uh, from deficit about 3000 dollars $4,000, my wife was able to bring in for the church through this preschool daycare. Uh, about, they were at the end when we left, about $80,000. And supporting eight families and giving their employment. What happens is this church, that is was a small church, we renovated it, and we sold this church because we were we merged with First Baptist Church as one church because we were like few blocks from each other. And then out of the proceed of the sale of the church, we bought another church. And it turned into three congregations. We bought a church for Hispanic, Latino worship. This church that we were worshiping became an African-American church. And then we all merged with the First Baptist Church. 
See, from a struggling, dying church, it turned into three congregations. In order to do that, we have to do and live by faith. Why am I sharing this? It's because do not despise the little. If we look at our strength, then we will miss God's strength. If we are going to build this community park in our strength, then we will miss it. God is saying, no, it's not about who is the greatest. It's not about who gives the most. I want you to become like the little one. And do not despise the little one. Do not despise the sinner. Do not despise people that are struggling, that are going through a difficult relationship. Do not despise outsiders. Do not despise anyone. Know that Christ is the remedy for all of them. For all the struggles that you're going through, Christ is the remedy. Right? And that was our reading. From Monday to Sunday. When you go home today, I will preach to you again next week from Monday to uh, Sunday. So we can be together. Now you get the point why we're doing this uh, Bible reading challenge. You right? It's, it's good. Now I can tell you this. And we're, going to, we're waiting for the, the number of our Harvest Sunday. Uh, if you need solution in your life, there is no ob- other option outside the Word of God. The Word of God is the solution and reading. So um, as we wait on the, our people to come, I'm going to call up Cindy Kehili. Cindy, can you please come here? And give a hand to Cindy. And I want her to share uh, the testimony. <clears throat> uh, and the, and uh, so this will lead us into worship. I'm glad that for the first time, they want, the people at the back are telling me to extend my sermon. I've never heard that before. <laughs> so I extended 10 minutes, but they want me to extend another 10 minutes. Cindy, so as we talk about the Canaanite woman, you met the Lord, you found the Lord at your hardest time. Um, you were going through a difficult time with your husband and almost becoming a single mother. Um, how did you meet the Lord? How did He come to our church? And what is the Lord doing in our life? Okay. Um, so, in your mouth. Okay. Yeah. So I came to the Lord um, through my sister, who was a Christian. Um, was going through a divorce, um, well, uh, unexpectedly, and so I began going to church with her. And um, my daughter was in what we call the trying threes. So I'm sure the Lord used that to um, kind of help bring me into church and understand. But anyway, I'd been going to church for um, a while, but it was one Sunday, and I can't give you the date, but it was one Sunday where um, there was an altar call, and there's altar call every Sunday. But this particular Sunday... Um, There was like an overwhelming power that came over me, and I just felt myself floating to the altar, and that's how I became um, a Christian, or born again. And then after that, um, it was a small church, and it was a very loving, supportive church, because I knew what I was going through. And um, 
Then after that was my water baptism. So, and that was very exciting and um, just really refreshing. So I've been, you know, walking with the Lord, but the path has always been, you know, it's a journey. And um, so I, um, to coming to this church, uh, it's actually on my way home from work. So um, I had been looking for a church that would speak the word and where um, I was looking to serve. And, and um, so I actually was thought, okay, well, this church looks, for some reason I'm being drawn to this church. And so I looked it up, and your sermons are online. So I wanted to make sure that um, the word, God's word was being spoken and what the church was doing for the community. And um, so I listened to you for about a month before uh, visiting the church. Um, So I thought, you know, this is a good this is a good place. It's teaching the word of the Lord. It's doing things. It's doing outreach to the community. It's got good missions. And anyway, so that's what brought me here. So um, I've really enjoyed coming here. I think I've been coming here since, well, for several months now. And uh, just enjoy the people. The church body was very welcoming in my very first visit. And I have to say that uh, Jerry just introduced himself to me, and then the next weekend I came, and he remembered my name, and I thought, well, that's very impressive, and um, anyway, very welcoming for new people, so that's why I'm here. And uh, so uh, at this point, you have known us, you have seen our ministry, you have listened to the Word, and uh, you feel like this can be your family, and you want to be a part of this family, Absolutely. become a member of the church? Absolutely. I mean, I uh, I believe in serving in whatever capacity there is. When I come to church, I, I want to give back in whatever way the Lord has me do that. So. All right. Let's welcome her to the fold, right? Yeah.